Hello and welcome back to the Veterans Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Miguel Mata, and today my guest is someone that I've known for quite a while. His name is William Will Ryan. Now, uh, Will and I uh, spent some time together when we were stationed in Grand Forks Air Force Base, North Dakota, back in the early 2000s, and uh, he's someone that I would endearingly referred to as a space cadet right heads in the clouds right always kind of mine was always kind of wandering that sort of stuff um but it was it was in good fun it was in good fun a short time after will's journey would continue on to spangal in germany um we would keep in brief contact with each other via social media whatnot but now you know 15 or so years later uh, we're coming back together so he could be on my podcast and as we're all about to learn he's had a lot going on he's had a lot going on he's got some ups he's got some downs he's got some transitional issues that he had to work through as he got out of the service and um, you know some of it will sound unique and different in his own story but I'm sure a lot of it will sound very familiar. So uh, without further delay, here's William Ryan. Hello, welcome back to the Veterans Lounge podcast. It is I, your host, Miguel Mata, and today I have a very special guest. They're all special, but I have another special guest, a gentleman by the name of William Ryan. Say hello, William. Hey, how's it going? Now, is it William or is it Will? Uh, My friends call me Will, so we'll just roll with that. Okay. Uh, Thanks a lot, Will, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate um, you spending some time with us. I'm talking to you right now as if I don't know you, but that's not true. You and I have a little bit of history. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Got that time up at Grand Forks. Yeah, yeah. Will and I spent some time together at Grand Forks. I know... I knew little Willie Ryan when he was a tiny tot. Tiny space um, cadet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I used to call him space cadet because he spent a lot of time dreaming into the clouds. No, I'm just no. but um, yeah, I knew when, when he was a Jeep, right? Just enough, yep. just enough experience yep. type person, but he's since gone on to do big and better things, and he's been gracious enough to be come onto the podcast to share a little bit about his story, which I'm always interested in hearing about veterans' stories, and you and I lost touch uh, right around, I don't remember, when, when did you leave Grand Forks? Before we get too carried away, yeah. I want to I wanna back backtrack just a yep, little yep, bit, yep. and I want to ask you, I'm curious, because you're an Air Force guy, just yep. like I am. Yep. Tell me the story of what got Will Ryan to join the Air Force. Oh, that was a no-brainer. Um, my uh, my family's Air Force through and through. My grandfather was in a electronic security group back in the fifties and sixties. Uh, my grandmother was in until she got pregnant with my aunt. You know, back in the Air Force in the fifties, it was an automatic discharge. Um, my aunt uh, just retired as a chief uh, after I think forty years, near enough. Um, Got, an, got a couple uncles that were in. My cousin was down at AFTAC down in uh, Florida. 
Um, naturally, I just kind of jumped on and decided to go work on aircraft for a few years. It was a family business then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got we got three generations on it now. Um, I I wasn't going to be the one to get made fun of for going into another branch. So, (laughs) uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I did. I did. I Air Force was just kind of the go to choice. I didn't want to go to school right away, right out of high school, um, which. Coming out of the high school I came from uh, was kind of a shock for a lot of people because I graduated from uh, Plano Senior High School in Texas, and Plano in general is very college-driven. So to have somebody that wanted to go military, you really didn't get much in the way of like any kind of accolades or anything for it. Like I remember my senior year, Matt being up on the wall, everybody's going to this school, that school, everything else, all the military guys, eh. Wasn't on that, I wasn't on that map, so I was like, whatever, I'm cool with it. Um, I didn't want to go to school. I wanted to take a break. I wanted to do something different. Um, I wanted to go in originally as meteorology, uh, but when I went to MAPS, they had E and E, the Electrical Environmental, you know, where you and I, you know, where you and I know one another, and uh, they had nuclear weapons and no interest in nukes. I was just like, no, I like E and E. Let's go. Let's go E and E. Almost got a chance to go meteorology, but my recruiter said i was gonna be leaving that morning not a chance no nah, i was like nope nope i hung up the phone i'm like i'll just stick with the indie you know you want to hear a funny story about about my uh my becoming annie whenever the i got the you know the jobs laid out what do you want to do mm-hmm. i said i don't want to be a mechanic they said well got <laughs> we this job called electrical environmental they work on airplanes i said are they a mechanic they're like Nah, nah, nah. They work on they work on electric electronics and blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the one thing I learned, the one thing but it was fun though. E&E, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, one thing I learned with E and E, especially on T tails, was um, sometimes you're a mechanic, sometimes you're more avionics because it's because C fives were very mechanical, C seventeens are very computer driven. Right. I used to joke. I, I, look, our our job was cool, and oh yeah, and expand a whole wide array of of uh experiences and yep. and uh yeah experiences and knowledge right technical technical knowledge and uh i used to joke you know that we were too smart for our own good right yep. <laughs> we could we could fit in so many boxes but uh yeah man that's cool dude yeah e and e that's where it was at that's where it was at yep. now in your experience and this is this kind of goes segues or gets us back on track to what you started to share with us sure. earlier you know, your, your military experience spans quite a few years, but it wasn't mm-hmm. all E&E. So no. I believe you said you left Grand Forks and then you went on to Spangolem. Why don't we, why don't we pick it up there? So, yeah. So I went to Spangolem. I was there for two and a half years. Um, I worked E&E as in route on T-Tails, C-17, C-5s. Um, but at in route, you're expected to be more of a crew chief. And uh, it was during that time at uh, at Spangdalum, I kind of realized I'm like I'm really not cut out to be E and E. I had that kind of awakening, like we, like I mentioned, the space cadet you knew at Grand Forks. I kind of like p- picked up on you know what's what's good for me and what's not at Spangdalum because I enjoyed doing the crew chief work. I really didn't enjoy doing the E and E work. Now um, explain was, explain for anyone who might be listening, like what's the big difference between E and E and crew chief. So E and E is very specialized. It's it's uh, you're working generators, you're working uh, aircraft pressurization, you're working uh, oxygen, you're working uh, electrical issues, things like fire loops on the engines. You're working uh, landing gear issues that tie in with wiring. Generally, end up working with other specialists. For- 
Kerchiefs, on the other hand, are the. I actually have a kerchief friend of mine. They're jack of all trades, master of none. They're expected to know enough about each system to kind of be able to troubleshoot it on their own, like if they're on the road. Um, their job overall is more airframe. So they are in charge of the actual outside of the aircraft, the paneling. Um, they do a lot of the inspections. You're uh, replacing landing gear. You're replacing uh, flight control surfaces. It's not a bad career field overall. And I know with you and me, like crew chiefs were generally seen as the dumb ones. Um, there was a lot of, there was a lot of crew chiefs though that were really, really good at their jobs though. Um, yeah, that's, they, I, that's my experience too. Like they yeah. did get a bad, kind of a bad rap, the crew chiefs. Yeah. Crew chiefs, I've, some of the smartest people I have yeah. ever met, some of the most intelligent people I have ever met were crew chiefs. Yeah. And some of the dumbest dumbest people, people I ever met were crew chiefs. <laughs> some, of the, some of the dumbest people. Like the difference between a specialist and a bag of potatoes was the bag, right? <laughs> <laughs> like some of them were specialists. Some of them did our but, job. There, there was a couple I'm kind of sitting here thinking, I was like, yeah, you definitely put the special on special. So, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, all of that being said, like you felt, you felt more comfortable. At least you learned that maybe you were more, more Somewhere adept else. to be, um, um, like do crew chief tasks. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it wasn't necessarily the crew chief task. It was more just, I just having that airframe knowledge in general. Um, but I did enjoy doing the crew, crew chief work more. Um, and around the same time, this was, uh, 2010, the air force had a voluntary separation program going on where effectively you could quit. Um, so I was kind of at a point where I was like, I'm, I was kind of, kind of over active duty. Um, if I had, no, it was, I was, it was one of those things where I was like, if I knew about the guard, when I joined, I would have gone guard instead. Uh, so, and I had no idea about the guard when I joined. Uh, so I ended up going into, I ended up doing voluntary separation, uh, I got out uh, August 2nd, and I swore into the Air National Guard on August 3rd. It was a typical traditional at first, one weekend a month, two weeks a year, so on and so forth. Uh, and then I got picked up for a temp technician job as E&E, uh, where I was working full-time as a federal employee during the week. I was still in uniform. It's kind of complicated. Um, it's, called, it's called Title 32. I'm still in uniform, but I'm a WG or a GS. Uh, and then one weekend a month, I pretend I'm an NCO for a couple of days. Um so I did that for three months and then a job opened up where it said production controller. And I thought this would be in mock, which is maintenance operations center. That's pretty much looking back at it. Uh, mock is kind of the color commentators of what's going on on the flight line between maintenance and operations. Uh, they are the people that know what's going on. And a lot of the people that end up in there are crew chiefs. So I was like, all right, I'll go for production control. Let me let me put in an application. Worst thing I can say is no. Uh, and it turns out it was actually for that federal title shared a name with scheduling, with maintenance scheduling. And this is where actually the position was actually was. It was in maintenance scheduling. I did the interview and uh, I talked to the guy that was working back there at the time. He's like, come on back. He's like, you've got you know years of experience on the aircraft already. You got more than most people that are interviewing for this or bring it in. He's like, I can teach you the scheduling stuff. Scheduling stuff's easy. He's like, I need somebody that's got actual experience. So I actually got picked up for it and I started working at 2011 and I did that for 10 years. Uh, and I, I loved it. It was it, like scheduling was scheduling in of itself. Wasn't that hard, but 
um, I got involved with a lot more stuff than scheduling specifically uh, because it was the Air National Guard and we were a smaller unit. So they always, <clears throat> excuse me, we we're always seen as kind of the miscellaneous section where we don't know who should do this. Let's give it scheduling. Um, so that's, and I ended up getting involved in a lot of stuff that most schedulers normally don't get involved with. And it's, it, it helped me out with being able to kind of expand my horizons in terms of what I was doing. I still like the mechanical work. I still like working around aircraft, but I got a lot of experience doing something totally different at the same time. That's interesting. That's, that's really kind of cool. You kind of found your niche accidentally, you know? Yeah. Isn't yeah. Totally, you know, totally stumbled into it. Yeah, I totally stumbled into it. It was um, it was just on a whim. It was oh, not I don't say on a whim, but um, it was just something that had been kind of reviled while I was working on the flight line. Schedulers always took a knock from everybody else because they all, all schedulers were ever seen as was assigning more work, and um, it actually it turned into this like thing that like I I excelled at and it was great. Production mock. You know you have a 180 day blah 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 on this. Uh, like, yeah, hey, you stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was plenty of times I'd sit there and say, "Hey, uh, who's who's tracking your squibs?" and find out nobody had been tracking them for six months. So you're you're doing this for ten years. Yeah, right? you picked up. You said you you got into it in 2011. Yep. Ten years later, that's this year, 2021. Yep. What what happened? You know, it sounded like you were in a good, a, you were in a I good was. place, but yeah. uh, but you're not doing that anymore. So I'm just curious. Yeah, I was. I was in a really good spot with it, um, and it came kind of came as a surprise in January. I got a call saying, "Hey, uh, we're not going to be able to reenlist you," uh, and I'm kind of like, "What gives?" It boiled down to, uh, without getting into too much detail, some some uh, medical stuff um, that had I had to work through with my uh, previous deployment. Things got lost and the and paperwork got lost or something happened and a process broke down. I don't know what, but uh, the waiver I needed to be able to re-enlist was never started, let alone processed. Um, so we ended up um, we I ended up finding out in January that I was done February first, uh, military wise, uh, and then. <clears throat> my federal employment ended roughly two weeks later. So I went from having, like, I'm suddenly sitting here saying, Hey, I don't know what you guys are going to do. We got one other guy that he's been back here, but um, he's not me. And, you know, you guys are going to have to start working with him on things like, and it, it was kind of, it was like lack of a better way of putting it. It was kicking the knackers. And there wasn't anything yeah. you could do to fight it, or you, that didn't cross your it didn't cross your mind to fight it. What what was I mean? Because once again, it sounded like something just kind of fell fell out of the sky and said, "Hey, oh by the way, in a month from now, you're going to be unemployed." It had been pretty much. It was like, all right, like you know, my commander pushed as much as he could, and he really couldn't. And the problem was, was that in the time it would take to process that waiver, um, I would be out either way. I wasn't really, I wasn't really told with enough time to start the waiver that it had been denied. Okay, so so let me ask you this question: there was there were no hints at all that you were going to have an issue. No, you had no indication at no. all. No, I had contacted my um, oh, what are they called the um, the admin the admin types up front. I I contacted them or CSS. There we go. I contacted CSS and I said, hey, you know, 
you guys work on my my uh, reenlistment. It's gonna be up in a couple months. I gave him a couple extra, a little extra time because of COVID. You know, um, I contacted him in the fall, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're 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 starting work on it." Okay, cool. And that was the last I'd heard of it until somebody said, "Hey, uh, it went through med, and they're denying it." Like, I don't know. Um, okay. it, yeah, it, it pretty much it just happened. Okay, so I know you said you're not willing to get into it, but just so that I'm clear, was it something that happened during a deployment? Something that happened before deployment? Everything was good then, and it just kind of just fell through. It was so, so. It was stuff that had come up before my deployment. Um, it's uh, medicine related. Um, and it's in the same vein as, as uh, say, like insulin. It's that the medicine I was on can't be transported uh, because of the schedule it's on. Uh, and so it created problems with deployments. Now, before my previous deployment, it was like, okay, cool. We'll push this waiver through and we'll, you know, we'll get you on to patches because well, there's patches I could, put, I could use. Um, I couldn't use the injections, so I went with patches instead. And uh, they pushed through what normally takes two months and 12 days for my deployment. Uh, and they were willing to do that because it was a deployment. With the reenlistment stuff, they weren't willing to do that because they'd already done it once. And uh, apparently, um, AFSENT's a little more, or CENTCOM's a little more willing to forgive on things than, say, like, you know, AMC or Guard Bureau, right. they're a little more willing to forgive when it there. with yeah they, they need bodies. you there like, like when you're told you're there yeah. Right. Whereas, you know, AM uh, not necessarily AMC but like Guard Bureau, whoever whoever goes through normally for the guard, um, they weren't as willing to kind of say oh okay well let's just let's just make it happen now they just straight up said no you, we're gonna need a proper waiver. It sounds like a shit sandwich. Yep, I took a um, bite. So you're handed this shit sandwich. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So you're no, it's all good. It's all good. A month before, you, uh, and a month not later, even. You're not even. Not even a month later, you're unemployed. What yeah. happens next? I had been applying for jobs the whole time. Like I, like I, I, like it was a poorly kept secret in my office. I was always looking for a new job because I'm always looking to kind of expand my knowledge base. Anyway, um, that had been for about ten years. So. You know, nobody, it, it wasn't, it wasn't really the, the application side of things wasn't really an issue because um, <clears throat> it had been a thing for a while, but um, February 2nd hit and it was like, okay, I'm no longer in the military. I'm still a federal employee. Um, I'm just, but because of the way the billet's written for the federal employee, I've only, I got a certain amount of time before I'm done with the federal employee as well. So February 2nd hits, I'm a federal employee and you know, federal civilian employed by the guard for two weeks. Suddenly February 17 hits, I'm straight up unemployed. Um, <clears throat> so I got through, I put in for unemployment. Um, and for the first month or so, it actually worked out really well because uh, my son was on remote school and my wife was still working and we have plenty of savings set up. So we were fine. And so I, I called my month of Saturdays where I was getting up. I was doing stuff around the house. I was cleaning. I had my own little routine. Um, once my son went back to school, I went through and, okay, cool. I suddenly got eight hours of time during the day. Okay, cool. What can I do around the house? And I just had, I just picked up more and more. And then eventually it just kind of got to the point where it's like, okay, like after about a month, it just kind of, I, don't, I was hoping to get into a groove, and it was the exact opposite. 
And that combined with the fact that that unemployment I had put for put in for on February 17th still hadn't gone through. Suddenly I'm like, all right, what's going on here? And like, I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm contributing. That's what it boils down to. I'm not bringing any income into the house. Um, my wife can sit here and say, oh yeah, you're, you know, you're helping out with the house. You're you're getting this done and that done. And I'm kind of like, that's great. It's trash the next day. Anyway, I totally feel for my wife, by the way, after that deployment, I said, I totally get how she felt every day afterwards, especially with my son here. Um, but, um, and it just kind of is just this kind of around the toilet bowl feeling, you know, just kind of, I just kind of started tanking a little bit and I was like, Stop! I kind of stopped cleaning, and like I could see the depression kind of just starting to pick up a little bit. For in your mind, it was boiling. Well, like I'm not right now. It. it makes sense that it was like you weren't making a contribution to like my household. Yeah, household. It's not even. It's not. It's not even necessarily the. It's not necessarily emasculating. It's not. Um, oh, well, I'm a man. I should be. Do no, uh, my wife and I are very equal in terms of things when it comes to that, and um, it was more just in general. I'm not being that equal to her where she's bringing stuff in. It's like suddenly I'm I'm not doing much of anything around here. Because um, you're used to, but you're used to working as a team. Yeah, I feel like she's picking up this. She's picking she, up quote unquote your slack, if you will. You yeah, know what I mean? and you felt bad about that. Yeah, I did. And and um, like on top of it, I wasn't being very social. Um, I was kind of cloistered away at home. Um, I was like, I, I'm not bringing any money. Why should I be going out and doing anything? Why should I be? So I would go out and go do grocery shopping. And I was about my social interaction for the week, um, at the kind of lowest part of it, I guess. <clears throat> um, so that just kind of through like beginning of April, May timeframe, uh, especially with my son back in school on top of it. Um, it was, it was, it was kind of rough mentally. I had been applying, applying, applying. I by that point I had had two interviews, um, and like so. For the record, I, I was sticking with federal. Um, I briefly flirted with doing uh, going on the outside and doing private, but I had seven. I have seventeen years federal experience, so I didn't want to throw that away. So I was trying to stick with federal, and I was applying to anything and everything I could find. I was if it was remotely related to what I was doing. Anything I could throw my my application at, I was doing it. Um, but by that point, I had only had probably 10 referrals and two interviews. Um, I had one interview in January after I had found out, and I had another one in like April, I think, that was related to my degree. Uh, and just totally, I, I blew it on it. That one, I felt I blew it. Um, so yeah, it was just it just felt like it was hit after hit after hit. Yeah. Nothing nothing yeah. nothing had like yeah. worked at all. So here's here's my question. Sure. Are you employed now? I am not yet. I have a start date in two weeks for a federal position with the USDA. I think for okay. So that means you know, you're on the up. You're on yeah. the you're on the uptick. Yeah. When you got it, but it's but before we get into the uptick. You know, you you were you uh, already hinted that you were already kind of in a spiral. Mm -hmm. How did you how did you break the funk? I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't actively trying to break the funk. I wasn't saying what can I do to do this. It was uh, very much. Um, I had spent years gaming one way or another. 
And during that time, I hadn't really done it because I was so focused on doing other things. I hadn't really played much of anything. Um, suddenly, kids out of the house. Um, I've got a ton of time on my hands. So I go and say, you know what? Okay. I'm like, let me pick something up. And I had played Warcraft for years on and off, very casually, World of Warcraft. Um, and I picked that up and I started playing it. And then I started streaming and it didn't streaming on Twitch and that didn't really do much of anything, but I was still playing. So I kind of, it's kind of like, okay, cool. Let me, it seems silly, but it's, it was like, okay, cool. I got a goal. I got another goal. Okay, cool. I want to do this next week. And it kind of gave me something to tick off that wasn't related to my house. Yeah. You were, you were distracting yourself. Gave you a little bit of distraction, a little bit of focus. Yeah. Yeah. It gave me, it gave me a chance to kind of break away a little bit. Okay. Let me break away. Let me, do something else that's totally unrelated to everything I've been doing. Let me get my mind somewhere else for a little bit. Cause I've always figured out that for me to kind of advance on something, I got to totally take my mind out of something for a little bit and then go back to it. So I found a group initially I found air force gaming. They had just started off. Not really my speed. Um, a lot of guys that were active duty. Um, the people that played Warcraft there were very competitive. I'm not. I'm very much the type to go through, play a half hour, 45 minutes a night, and then, okay, cool, I'm going to go, you know, even 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 when I was playing at my most, I was only playing maybe like an hour and a half, hour and a half, two hours at a time at most. Um, so Air Force Gaming was a little bit too much, but one day they put up a post saying, hey, we're doing a, um, we're doing a group with MVG, and I was like, who the hell is MVG? I start looking them up, and it's uh, Military Veteran Gamers. Uh, military and veteran gamers, sorry. And it is, to put it nicely, it's a 8,000-member group. They're a 501c3 that works with veterans and with military. Their big thing is they say healing through gaming. With healing through gaming, their big aim is to find common ground with other veterans. <clears throat> um, in my case, it was Warcraft. There were other people that play Warcraft. There's not a ton of them on that server, but there's, you know, there's... I've, I picked up a good steady group of like five, six people I'd sit there and talk to and it fixed that social issue. I, some people might sit here and say, okay, you know, yeah, the, you can sit here and play games online with people and, it, and it's not the same as like going out and meeting up with somebody. No, it's not. I, I'll be the first to admit it's not, for, it's not the same thing, but to have somebody else you can talk to that has that common thread with you, <clears throat> um, being a veteran, not necessarily Air Force, but having, you know, having that veteran thread, you can sit there and talk to them in ways that most people won't understand. I would say that somebody who would say that, what you just explained, they're not, they're not in tune per se as to how the world has changed. When right. I was a, when I was a section chief there at the end of my, um, at the end of my enlistment, mm -hmm. right. And we used to do our little powwows and give safety briefs on Fridays or whatever. Right. Or long weekends. You know, you want to tell the, the guys and the gals to make sure you're not spending your whole, all your time indoors. Make sure you're not spending all your time by yourself, that sort of right. stuff, right? Because that, that just, that's just asking for trouble. But, you know, I used to say, I used to say, um, you know, go and, and, and um, be social somewhere, mm -hmm. right? With somebody, you know, find some, find a group of people to hang out with. Well, they're at the end, they're at the end of my, of my enlistment. I would, I would say that I would include, I said, I said, and you know, if if gaming is your thing mm -hmm. and you're talking to people on online, at least that's that's cool too. Mm -hmm. That's cool too. Online 
online uh, communication, online relationships, mm-hmm. friend, friendly relationships, and so forth, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It, it's a it's completely appropriate. Right. And so I kind of always compared it to like, <clears throat> I'll go back a little bit. I really got into it actually at Grand Forks. Um, the first games I played, funny enough, were America's Army and Battlefield 2. Um, and I played with a big group of people that were literally all over the world. Um, I played with people in Europe and I played people in the US. And depending on what shift I was on, I'd play with the European guys or I'd play with the American guys. And it was just people you could sit there and talk to and BS with. Um, and that continued on during my time in Germany, although it was a lot less in Germany. Um, and then it picked up again, you know, probably it, it started slowly picking up again, probably about five years ago, but it really picked up after, um, after I got, uh, after I was out of a job. And so, yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, it's a group of people. It's it, and it, especially being in my position, my position, there's not a lot of people around the area I live in that are veterans. Um, and I was looking for that. I, I was like, I need somebody that I can talk to like that. And I found that with MVG and MVG went through and they said, Hey, you know, we got this big group of people. We got a lot of veterans. We got some combat veterans. We got some non-combat veterans. We got some military members that are still in. And we got some civilians too, that are, you know, here, here along for the ride. So, um, it was, it's a good group of people, um, and they they broke that first issue I had with, so, with just being social in general. And from there, it was I could sit there. I had somebody I'd sit there and talk to and talk my problems out. That wasn't my wife. I didn't want to burden my wife with the issues I had um, because, like, she's, she's she was a teacher, or she's a teacher, and she's got enough going on, especially around May-June time frame. She's got enough stuff going on. Um, so... I was like, all right, cool. And they, I kind of, I kind of just started talking to those people and it, it helped me out. And I was like, all right, well, it's funny enough because somebody I was talking to, I was talking to somebody on the server and they said, Hey, it doesn't sound like you got a lot of GIS experience, but it sounds like you're more like a business analyst. You know what you do, you could transfer that over to being a business analyst. That's where I started looking. I was like, you know what? I'm like giggles. I'm like, let me, let me just look around. I started looking private at first, but position came up as a management and program analyst uh, on USA Jobs. And I was, it's, it was 200 applications nationwide for eight positions. And I applied for it. It closed. It opened. I applied for it that day. It closed the next day. And got a phone call, got an interview, and got notified about three weeks later. I was tentatively selected. And then Two weeks ago, I got the final offer on it, and yeah, I'm just waiting to start now. They awesome, dude. That's yeah, awesome. they they had to go through it. They had to line everything up with leave and everything else. They said, "Hey, how does August 16th sound?" I'm kind of sitting there thinking, "I'm like August 2nd would have been a lot better." But yeah, 16th. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool though. You you were yeah. turned on to that while you were in the. It was community. it was entirely outside of the box. Yeah, it was because uh, at the entire time I had been looking at. Uh, GIS uh, developers, analysts, technicians. Um, on the other hand, tapping more into my experience, I've been looking at uh, just in planning in general. I have some Python experience. I was looking at Python. None of it really hashed out to what I could fit into. And then somebody said, "Hey, why not a business analyst?" You know, and I looked into it, and it was very like it was it was shifting numbers. Like it wasn't necessarily aircraft numbers. It was budgets or it was production or something like that but yeah, it, was, it was very similar yeah. metrics yeah exactly yeah. 
um, which I didn't have exact experience with metrics, but I have experience with statistics. So it wasn't that hard to sit there and shift it over. <clears throat> That's cool, dude. That is, totally, yeah. that is totally, totally awesome. And isn't it funny, you know, God works in mysterious ways, right? And you found this community, nothing, 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 or it seemed like nothing, nothing, nothing. Yeah. You fell into this community just kind of by chance. That's it almost sounds like your whole life, dude. Oh my <laughs> God, yeah. Of, you know, it's kind of I keep, I keep failing. I keep failing. Like the, the term that comes to my head is failing upward. <laughs> um, is that, oh, that's an excellent, that's an excellent, uh, about failing upward uh yeah that's i, I yeah, liked that's, it i liked it when i first heard it now maybe not so much but i but, yeah but it makes sense i mean i like i so like I falling like, upstairs right it happens <laughs> i like so my thing is that i'll get into better positions and i'll learn and it's like oh here's this totally separate thing that's even better and i'm like sure why not and yeah that's pretty much what's what's happened like just that's pretty neat yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, I don't even remember who like told me. I feel bad because like the person that mentioned to me, I totally forgot who told me about it on our server. And I'm like, dude, I want to like thank them, but like I don't remember who it was. I know it was a guy in the army, which doesn't help because there's like a thousand dudes in the army on the server. So he's an angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was definitely uh it came out of nowhere and I was like, All right, yeah, this and it worked out. What you experienced basically is what I, what this podcast is all about, mm-hmm. right? It's pointing out and identifying that most every military veteran has difficulty transitioning, right? Mm-hmm. They experience their, they experience uh, their transitioning woes. They experience transitioning woes in their own way, but it just about everybody, just about everybody experiences difficulty transitioning. It's not easy. Right. Um, but on top of that, it seems like just, uh, just as many people who experience those, those difficult transitions, when they find a veteran community to surround themselves with, things just kind of seem to work out and get better. And I believe it's because we are, uh, we are the best people to help each other out. There's, there's fewer people in, in the country uh, qualified to help veterans bes- other than just other veterans. We just right. do better when we're around each other. You know what? If you don't mind, sure. you know, you've, you've mentioned it a couple of times. What uh, what degree do you have? What, what's it, what's your degree in? So my degree is in uh, GIS. It's Geographic Information Science. Um, it's I've, the way I've always told people. It's a combination of uh, cartography, data analysis, and programming kind of all put together. Uh, so we deal mainly with producing maps. Um, that's, that's what our end product generally is, is mapping. Um, but what we do is we use programming such as Python and R to run calculations on a set of numbers. And the set of numbers could be anything. Well, a lot of the stuff I was running on in college was uh, census data. And you're talking thousands of rows of data, thousands of columns of data, you're using these programming languages, Python, R, whatever else you can really get your hands on, and then making it into something you can analyze, and then you're taking that data analysis and you're kind of turning that into something that is viewable in the form generally of a map. Um, you see these maps of like uh, like election, election shifts, for example. Um, 
that's a very simple, basic GIS function is just going through and running through and say, okay, we can go through and compare this year with this year and then create a map. And you create the, is that, is that, uh, are those the people, are you the people that create those heat maps? Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, heat maps, heat maps or something as well. Um, if you're talking, um, something like, um, the, what looks kind of like an elevation map almost like a red to green elevation map. Yeah. Yeah. Those can, things, those I, things are cool. What got, I you get, into that? what got you into that? Is it the um, numbers? The numbers. Uh, with your, with your GIS degree, like, okay, you just picked up this job with the USDA. Is sure. there still, is there still a desire to use that? The degree? Oh yeah. No. Yeah. So, so like what, how do you plan on using it? Like, do you have any, any, anything in place as far as like a plan goes as to how you're going to use that? Or is it, is it, you're just kind of playing it by ear? I'm kind of playing it by ear. Um, it's a little, a little column A, a little column B. Uh, pretty much I do have a long-term plan that involves not living where I am currently. Um, Which is? New Jersey. I'm in New Jersey right now. I'm about, uh, no, yeah, I'm about, I'm about halfway between Philly and Atlantic city. So I get to drive by the link every, every time I go to the airport. Um, but, uh, about halfway between Philly and Atlantic city. And so the long-term goal is moving out West or moving up to Canada. Um, I've, I've, I'm lucky enough to have that privilege with my wife cause she's, she's a dual citizen. Um, but I'm looking at going through and kind of using my degree then, uh, because GIS is kind of a dearth of jobs, uh, doing GIS out here. So it's going to be more of a, okay, let me take this time to build up a portfolio to say, I can do this. I know what I'm doing. I let me go through. And it's, it's a matter of just finding what projects I'd like to do uh, in terms of what I want to show any prospective employers in the future. Well, I wish you luck, man. I wish yeah. you luck. It sounds like a really interesting degree and, you know, um, nobody wants to have, spent the time and the money to earn a degree you can't use right even though it happens all the time yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh no it's fine it's fine <laughs> i tell i totally get it I've, I've heard plenty of people where it's like yeah i'm doing this and my degrees and something totally unrelated Look, it, ha it, do it does happen all the time but you oh, know yeah. what in my experience or yeah in, in my experience or at least in my observations it's not always a bad thing i've i've and more times than not i've seen people with college experience mm -hmm. use their degree less times but still fall into something that works for them thanks to their college experience right. so um a lot of people knock college i know uh the you know there's this there's this debate between college and, and trades and mm -hmm. trade schools which you know i don't take aside either way because whatever gives a young person especially yeah uh, puts them on a path to be self-sufficient and independent you do whatever you got to do right if college is your thing and you have an opportunity do that Trades, if the trades are, are an opportunity and you have an opportunity to do that, do that. Absolutely. But what I what I tell young people is that even if you don't use your degree, which you should try to at least, um, <laughs> there are so many successful people who there's there's a lot of successful people in this world who are who became successes due to their college experience, meaning mm -hmm. they were in college doing their thing. And they found something in that period of time that said, hey, I could do this for the rest of my life. And it's yeah. completely unrelated to the education path that they were on. So anyway, I'm just saying it's still kind of cool <laughs> that, that you have that degree. But it's also cool that 
you know, you're on, you're, you're just on this journey, right? And it seems to be working for you and I'm happy for you. It does sound like you had a rough patch, but yeah, looks like you got through it. Thanks to the MVG folks. Is there uh is there, are there any plugs that you can do for MVG that maybe we could share for? Yeah, actually. So uh, they have a discord server. If anybody, if you don't know what discord is, discord is kind of, if you know what Slack is, um, I have no idea Dis- what you're talking about, but go ahead. <laughs> so Discord is, uh, it's kind of a, it started life as kind of a gaming communication platform, but it's expanded to so much more in terms of like, being, you, you can have voice channels, you can stream, you can you can stream what you're, you, know, you screen share, you can, uh, you have text channels. It's a really good communication suite, but uh, they have a specific link. It's discord.gg slash military. Uh, that's their Discord server. So their website is MVG, as in Mike Victor Golf Charity.org. Um, that's their actual website. If you didn't catch the Discord link before, it's on there. Um, like I said, it's a group of 8,000 people on there. Um, I'm not going to say 8,000 people are active, but you've got 8,000 people there that have, if you're bound to come across one or two people that have had a similar experience to what you've dealt with. I'm happy that you found this, this community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm happy you found this community, and it just once again it, it it goes to show you that we just veterans just connect in a certain way, you know. We just connect in a certain way, and it doesn't matter the branch of service. It doesn't matter, you know, the job, the career field. It's it's just it's really kind of fantastic. If you're a veteran, find other veterans. Yep, it will help. It will help, and the and it's something about veterans like. Maybe not, not maybe not all of them are are geared to um, to problem solve your issue, mm-hmm. right? But we are conditioned to be problem solvers. So more times than not, you'll find somebody who wants to help. Yeah, there's a lot of guys there that have been through worse experiences, and they'll sit there and say, "Okay, this is nothing." Let's let's kind of talk this through. Let's go through. I can I can tell you for a fact this isn't going to be anything in a bit in the long run. Let's kind of just walk this through step by step. And there's people there that don't do that. Well, there you go, man. Thanks for sharing that with us and sharing that group with us. We'll see if we can't. Uh, we'll see if we can't point anybody in their direction. Maybe they can get a few more followers, or a few more users, or whatever. Whatever, whatever. Beep, bop, bop. Uh, a lot, a lot yeah. more, a lot more, a lot more users. A few more streamers. The big thing they do is stream on. They stream on whatever Twitch the, a lot. Whatever the jargon or vernacular <laughs> is that is appropriate for this situation. So, okay. So, for what it's worth, yeah, it is. It is users. <laughs> um, but there is. You do have a lot of people that stream on Twitch. They stream whatever game they're playing. They're streamers. Um, there's a lot of people on there to do that, and you'll see. The, even there, you'll see just the MVG guy just raid into somebody's channel and just bump up their viewers. You know, just it's, it, it hits you a little bit differently than something, you know, a few, a few other things. So let me ah. ask you this. If there was a piece of advice that you would give anybody, anybody who was listening, a message, a takeaway, what would it be? I like to ask this question by surprise because you get a, you get an honest, genuine answer. It's always like honest, genuine, organic answer. So if there was a piece of advice that you could give anybody, about anything, what would it be? It'll work out. That's uh, that's honestly, there's no way to really like put that into like a box. It'll work out. It's it'll be it'll be okay. Everything will be okay in the long run. That's okay. that's one thing my wife told me. She's like, "We'll be fine in the long run. We'll be okay." 
and we'll get through it. It was constantly that. If I sit here, no, we're not. We're not. Yeah, we are. We're doing just fine. Uh, we're kind. Of, we're kind of at the end of just fine right now. <laughs> Waiting to start this job, but yeah, you we're keep pushing forward, man. You keep pushing forward. Everything will be. Yeah, if you're if you're going through hell, keep going. I want to say thank you to my guest, William Ryan, Air Force veteran William Ryan, for being on the podcast uh, today. As we all heard, Will had some ups and downs and some transitional woes. Will learned kind of the hard way as, once again, many veterans learn that the military isn't a perfect business. As a result, uh, Will found, uh, found himself in a period of uncertainty, but he did, he did, however, find some, some help in the form of a gaming community, the MVG. And in this gaming community, he was able to prove the point that I try to make that veterans just are the best medicine for veterans. If you're going through a difficult period in your own life, reach out to a veteran community. There are people who are willing and ready to help. There are people who are willing and ready to help. As scary as it may be or as awkward as it may be, it may feel to reach out for help, I guarantee you it's going to be okay and you will not be disappointed. So, thank you again, Will Ryan, for being on the Veterans Lounge Podcast. If you like this episode and you want to hear future episodes, you can find the Veterans Lounge Podcast pretty much anywhere podcasts are played. Please subscribe and share it with your friends and your family veterans. Uh, maybe they might be interested in being a guest, or maybe you might be interested in being a guest on the Veterans Lounge Podcast. I would love to hear your story. I would love to hear your story. I believe that every veteran has something worthwhile, something worthwhile and something worth sharing for the rest of the veteran community. If you're watching on YouTube and you liked what you saw, please like, share, subscribe, click the bell to hear future notifications whenever episodes come out. Um, I'm always looking for feedback. Please provide some feedback. Constructive criticism is preferred. However, I guess if you got to be a jerk, you got to be a jerk. I don't know. There's, those people are out there, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hide myself from them. But uh, constructive criticism, feedback is always welcome, always appreciated. Otherwise, once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching the Veterans Lounge podcast. Thank you again to Will Ryan for being a guest on the podcast. I will talk to you again very soon. Take care. God bless. If you would like to be a guest on the Veterans Lounge podcast, go to veteransnexus.org slash podcast to learn how. The Veterans Lounge podcast is a project produced in association with the Veterans Nexus Foundation, where they put veterans first and provide opportunities for vets to meet their higher education goals and also find employment as they transition back into civilian life. If you'd like to learn more about Veterans Nexus, visit veteransnexus.org.